All right, so let's get right to it. I've got a lot to get through this evening. And um, I don't want to share too much from last week because, as I say, I have quite a bit to share this evening. But I think let's start, if we go in our Bibles, if you have your Bible. Let's start in John 16, verse 13. John 16, verse 13. I shared with you last week about how the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks to us. He's the one who shows us things. If you want to hear God, God will speak to you in a way where you can understand Him. Oftentimes in Scripture, we see that God speaks to us through our eyes. We know that it's eyes. We have need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. But really, when he speaks about that, it's not natural eyes, it's spiritual eyes. So we, we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear that are spiritual. And, and Jesus had something to say about this. John 16, verse 13, he said this, But when he, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole, tr- the whole full truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce it and declare it to you, the things which are to come that will happen in the future. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us, and he will show us things to come as well. He'll speak to us about what's going on now, He will teach us all truth and reveal all truth to us. And he will also show us things to come. We know that Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and and prophesied. And he basically declared the prophetic word by the prophet Joel. He said that that the Lord will pour out his spirit on all flesh. This is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy that there will be visions and dreams. And we understand that spiritual Sight and hearing God spiritually comes by the Holy Spirit's language, which is visions, dreams, and prophetic words. So we will hear and see things in the Spirit. And I shared with you last week the importance of keeping your heart right, because it's very difficult to see and to hear when your heart isn't right. So let's go. We're going to get right into it this evening. The question you have to ask yourself when wanting to discern who is speaking in your life, whose voice you are hearing or whose images you are seeing, because the Holy Spirit will show you things. He'll give you visions, dreams. He'll show you something in your mind's eye and your spirit. He'll show you something. And that's how you'll be able to see what he's saying. But you have to be able to discern whose voice it is. Is it your mind making up those things? Is it God's voice speaking those things? Or is it another voice? We have to be able to discern that. So whose voice are we listening to? Jesus shares a parable about the heart. He talks about the importance of the heart. He talks about the condition of our heart having a lot to do with how we will be able to receive the word. And when we receive the word into our heart, Depending on our heart, 
we will then begin to speak. And what will come out of us, what will basically be what's in our heart. So the word comes into your heart. If your heart is right, you will see and understand, and then you will speak his word. And that word that goes out will produce a lot of fruit. Let's take a look. Let's go to Matthew 13, verse 3. I read through this very quickly last week because I wanted to put all of this together tonight. We're going to go through all these parables one by one to come to one very important thing I believe the Lord wants to say to us. I believe this message is absolutely vital right now on the earth. I believe this message is so important for every single person. I don't want you to think that this message doesn't apply to you. It applies to you. So don't sit there and go, oh, yeah, no, it's that guy. No, no, no. The first examination that takes place is self-examination. We examine our own hearts. We examine ourselves. And then we judge as well what is in the kingdom. Are you with me? What we will allow into our hearts. Now, let's take a look. Matthew 13, verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up and because they had no depth of earth because they had no depth of earth but when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away and some, some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop some a hundredfold some sixty and some thirty Watch here. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For he who has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Why does he do this? Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, and they do not understand. In other words, they cannot see spiritually. They cannot hear spiritually. Therefore, when I speak, they simply don't understand. They don't get it. Are you with me? And he's talking about the condition of the heart, and it's a direct result to their ability to see and to hear. He goes on and he says this in verse 14. And in them the, prophet of, the, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Watch here now. For the hearts, everybody say hearts, of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have, have, they, have sh they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. I want to stop. I want to say this is so important what I'm about to say to you. If your heart has gotten to a place where it is not, it is, it is dull, like the scripture says, it speaks of a dull heart or a, a hard heart. The word dull there actually means gross. 
It means to make, it's like a fat, gross heart. It's, it's a callous heart. That's what it basically means. If you look at it in the Greek, I know it's pretty graphic, but that's what it says. So that's what it means. It describes a really bad heart. But the Bible says that lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So there is a way for us, no matter where we are, if we're still alive, that we can turn back to God. You say, but these are the people of God that we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a warning that it doesn't matter how elect or elite you may seem, you must check your heart. You must check what goes in and you must check what comes out. Now, let's go deeper because he continues in verse 16. Watch this. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Now he's about to explain it. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom, and they do not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. This is someone that doesn't understand scripture. The wayside suggests that it's someone who has no understanding. Their heart is in a place where they cannot receive the word. There's no understanding whatsoever. 2 Corinthians 4 verse number 3 says this. An unbeliever is someone that cannot really receive the word. Take a look. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil... It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So they can't see. They, they can't receive the word. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They do not understand this message about the glory of Christ. Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So they cannot see it. They cannot understand it. Why? Because they, have, they, are not, they are not in the kingdom. Are you with me? But even those in the kingdom, they, 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 their walk with God is so shallow that there's absolutely no entry of the word. They cannot understand that at all. Their heart is not right. He goes on, Matthew 13, 20. Matthew 13, 20. I'm going to go through this quickly to get to what I really need to get to this evening. Just hang with me. Everybody say, hang in there. Matthew 13, verse 20. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this is someone that has what we call shallow soil. They have shallow soil. There's, already, there's, there's a little bit of soil on top, a little bit of ground on top, and underneath that shallow soil, there's rocks. So the roots can't grow. As soon as there's a little bit of a storm, as soon as there's anything that comes, how many of you know if your roots can't take ground and a bit of a, a little turbulence comes or a big storm comes through, those plants normally blow right out. That's what happens to us when, when we have a shallow or a stony or a rocky heart. That's what begins to happen to us. We cannot receive the word and cannot take root inside of us. Are you with me, guys? Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word 
and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. It's interesting because this individual actually does receive the word. So he gets the word. His heart is, seems to sort of be open. The problem is he's too open. He's open to thorns as well. And what's interesting is it tells us here that basically something begins to grow. The, the ground is actually good. Something looks right. But, but he's also allowed the thorns to grow as well. Therefore, he becomes totally unfruitful. The thorns here he describes as the deceitful riches of this world or the cares of this world. I honestly believe that this is one of the biggest traps for us. We get deceived or our desire becomes greater for the things of this world. And sometimes money or finances is included in this. So we start to, our, our, our picture or our image of what God wants to do and say becomes distorted because of the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches. Therefore, the seed cannot take root in us and we will never be truly fruitful. Say, so that's not me. Amen. All right, that's good. It's not you. Let's move on. Are you all okay? But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, he'll have the ability to understand it. He, he who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. The soil's right. The guy with the thorns, the only difference is the thorns. So he's allowed other things to grow. Other things to grow in there with the good seed. That's why it's so important, guys, as your pastor who truly cares about you. I truly care about you because I am responsible for everything I say. Every word, every time I preach a word to you, I'm responsible for it. I can't take it back. It's left my mouth and gone out there. And it's a seed that goes out and it has to fall on good ground to produce fruit in you. But in order for me to be able to put good seeds out, there must be good fruit in me. I need to make sure that I'm not sowing things out there, putting things out there that are also not good. Because of my own desires or my own intentions, I put seeds out there that will perhaps you will be like, oh, that sounds so great. And you receive something in your heart that isn't righteous and true and has the ability to suffocate you and cause you to come into error. Now, that's an extreme. Are you with me? Now, look at the context. He's talking to us about the heart. He's teaching us what to look out for, to protect our hearts. Then he says this, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and, and went his way. But when the grain had spouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the, seven, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. 
The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Now watch. But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barns. Now, I'm not going to talk about this because a little bit later on, he's going to explain this. But this parable is so important for us to take note of. If you're someone that preaches the gospel at all, this parable must put the fear of God in you. It has most certainly put the fear of God in me. Listen, if it isn't important, why does the Bible say work out your own salvation? Oh, the second part, I forgot, with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's important that the way, you produ- the way that you live out your salvation is one that produces fruit, true fruit, not with selfish ambition, not with selfish motives, not with, with selfish desire. Are you with me, guys? Because it's the evil intent in us that causes us to put seeds out that are harmful. And man is a wicked thing. But not you, you know. I like it because some people go, well, that that scripture, that's just for pastors. But it doesn't say that. You see, the signs don't follow the pastors only. They follow the believers. That puts you right in that category, brother. You're a minister. Be responsible. Use wisdom. Walk in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's being in awe of who He is. His majesty. His alpha and omega. Beginning and the end. He's the giver of life. The first and the last. There is nothing outside of Him. Everything was created through Him. But one day I will stand before Him and give an account for every word that I have spoken. And I promise you that definitely puts the fear of God in me. I don't need to talk about you. I'll talk about me. What I mean by that is I'm the one who has to examine myself. This message was for you, but it was for me before it was for you. Because I believe God is speaking so clearly to me about this. Then he goes on, Matthew 13, 31, another parable. We'll come back to that one. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it's grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. What's really interesting is this parable has brought up so much discussion about what it could mean. But in the context of the text, with warnings in place, I truly believe this is what it means. I truly believe, you judge for yourself, but I truly believe that what it means is this, is that in the kingdom, the kingdom will advance so quickly that God's kingdom will advance so fast and grow into a mighty tree. But in the midst of that tree, the birds of the air will come and feast in that tree. The birds of the air are not good. The birds of the air are an enemy that will come in the midst of the tree and be in the midst of the tree. And you have to watch out for them. 
I have to watch out for them. You have to make sure you're not one of them. I have to make sure I'm not one of them. Are you with me? Now watch. He goes on. He says this. Okay, before we go on, before we go on, watch this. Let's go to Matthew 24, verse number four. Matthew 24, verse number four. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Many people have misunderstood the scripture. Put it on the screen quickly if you can. Can you put the whole thing on for me, please? Okay, you can't see it there. If you have a Bible, you'll understand. This is what it says in the Bible. It says what it says there, but it's in the Bible. You can see whether it's italicized, whether it's capitalized. He says, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. What's the subject? That no one must deceive you. Then he says this. He says, Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. That does not mean that they're going to show up and say that I am the Savior of the world. What it means is they're going to come and they're going to preach Jesus. They're going to come and say that He is the Christ. Because when you look at the way it's written, it's written in a way here where everything is in small letters except I am the Christ. So many will come in my name. He says, he says, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed to yourself that no one deceive you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And unfortunately, the Bible says, many will be deceived. Don't be the many. Don't become the many that deceive. This is not easy for me to preach. But it's the truth. Let's go back to the parables. Matthew 13, verse 33. Another, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. We know that the Bible teaches that a little leaven spoils the whole loaf. Three mills or three measures of meal till, it basically is the equivalent to 60 pounds of flour. And what it's trying to teach us is that, listen, just a little bit of leaven will basically be able to leaven the entire loaf. A little bit of deception can open a road to cause you to enter into full-on deception. Church, I have seen it with my own eyes. I've seen someone very dear to me that allowed a little deception in, but that deception eventually overtook him. Now he cannot see at all. His eyes are shut. His ears are shut and he's fully deceived and it's totally heartbreaking. The whole loaf may look good, but a little leaven in there has the potential to ultimately completely bring destruction. This is a warning to ministers. This is a warning to us to be always aware of the devil's devices. 
I have to preach this because you need to know it. Amen. So we see just these two parables. Clearly from the two parables and the context of the heart, we clearly see, and again, this is an interpretation that I truly believe fits in with the context of what is being said here. That the kingdom will grow and there'll be much of the kingdom. The tree will become great, lots of flower. But the birds will come, the birds of the air will come and disguise themselves. They will come and sit and feast in the trees. And the leaven will come into that loaf that's become so great, that flower that's expanded so beautifully. And unfortunately have the potential to ultimately destroy a whole lot of it. We have to be aware. We have to be cautious. Amen. Now, let's go to Matthew 13, verse 36. Ultimately, what Jesus begins to do is he explains how he talks to them in parables. He has to teach them in parables. And now he's about to explain the message of the tares and the wheat. And I chose to bring this out in the amplified version purely because it gives you much more description. Don't agree to be nice. Agree for what's right and what's true. Because your niceness can get you into trouble. Now, Matthew 13, 36. Then he left the throngs, that's the multitude. He left the multitude, the throngs, and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the Darnell, which is tares. Explain to us the parable of the tares, the Darnell in the field. And he answered, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed means the children of the kingdom. The Darnell, the tares, is the children of the evil one. Now you must understand something. That the sower, the one sower is the devil. The other sower is Jesus, the son of man, the son of God. Are you with me? Understand that it's not literally, in a literal sense, with our eyes that see naturally. Jesus here standing, sowing. He's using me right now. He's using me the same way that the devil will use somebody. Don't think you're going to see a man in horns stand in front of you and sow seeds that are going to look like beautiful seeds. The devil comes and disguises himself and he comes and he sows and he sows and he sows. Why? Because he wants to destroy you. The same way that Jesus comes in the form of his people, the light the light and the salt of the earth and he comes and he sows seed that bring light, that bring healing, that bring restoration, that bring, that bring salvation, that bring deliverance, that bring all of that good stuff. Are you with me? So we understand the two sowers, who they are. Now, and the enemy who sowed is the devil. The harvest, when is it? At the close and consummation of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the Darnell weeds resembling wheat, they look the same, guys. 
the wheat and the tares look exactly the same. You cannot tell them apart because they're disguised. They look right. Listen, when Satan went to Jesus and he sowed seed, he used the word of God, but his heart was full of deceit and evil and, and, and selfish intention and tried to, to trick the Son of God. Good luck with that. It works on those who have a shallow heart. It works on those who do not receive the word. It works on those whose hearts have not become soft and open and willing to receive. It works on those who are more concerned about the riches of this world and the cares of this world. Yes, it works on those. They come and they sow their seeds. And clearly from this, this, this group of parables, size doesn't matter here. Amen. The enemy who sowed, verse 39, and the enemy who sowed seed is the devil, and the harvest is the close and consummation of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the darnel, weeds resembling wheat, is gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. Now watch this and pay attention. The Son of Man will send forth His angels and they will gather wheat where? The Son of Man will send His angels to, into His kingdom, which could very easily and with much debate and argument represent the church. Very possible. Some will disagree, but it says his kingdom there. The Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather. Remember, he teaches us that these tears will not be removed until the end of the age. So the angels are going into the harvest field where the tares and the wheat are together. The Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes, watch this, of offense. Now the word offense here is very important that we understand. This is so important. He says here, offense. What is offense? A person by whom others are drawn into error or sin. And all who do iniquity and act wickedly. The Greek word there for offense is the word skandalon. It means a stumbling block, a fence, or a trap, or a snare. It's basically something that is set before you, that is set there to catch you. It's what they, what they use to trap a, like a deer. It's set out there. It's a scandal, and it's scandalous. It's put there. It's there to destroy you. It's there to trap you. It's there to, 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 to basically ensnare you. And he says here, it's so powerful. He says here, a person who, whom others are drawn to in error or sin, you must understand, guys. You must be very aware of what you receive into your heart. What you receive, wherever it is, sermons, reading, books, social media, whatever it is, talking to your friends, be cautious of what you allow someone to say to you. Because sometimes someone will sow error and unfortunately, what happens is some fall for it. 
They fall for the error. They fall into it. Personal agendas, bad motives, evil intent. Not everything is a vision from God. Not every dream is a dream from God. Don't go tell someone that they're pregnant if God didn't say it. Don't go tell someone something if God didn't say it. You have to be cautious. I'm not trying to scare you to not step out. Use wisdom when you step out. But generally when there's really a problem, it's motivated by error. So making a mistake sometimes is not error. It's just a mistake. Someone can give you a word and it can be a mistake. Mistakes happen. You're going to make mistakes. But when you have evil intent, you go at it with with a strategy to prove your point that is not biblical or scriptural, that does not edify or build up, that does not bring correction to bring someone to Jesus, but rather into rebellion. And the Bible talks a lot about rebellion and teaches us that it is the same as witchcraft. Now watch this, because this is so important. Let's jump in our Bibles to Luke 17. Luke 17, verse number one. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Who's the little ones? That's you. You are his little ones, his children. He loves you and he's warning the person who puts that offense in front of the little ones and causes them to stumble. He says it would be better for you to take a millstone, put it around your neck and go and jump in the deep than stand in front of me one day. Come on, pastors, if that doesn't put the fear of God in you, what will? We have a lot to say. We're so sure of our opinions. But really, the only opinion that matters is His. And let me ask you a question. Does your message, does my message draw people to Jesus? Or does it cause rebellion? Or does it cause them to turn away from Him? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Lord, all I desire is that every word that comes out of my mouth would truly be motivated by your Holy Spirit, that the truth would prevail. Lord, you said that you would teach us all things. You said that you would show us things to come and that what you would speak would not be of your own authority, but that of the Father's. Lord, I pray that when I speak, when we speak as pastors, as leaders, as ministers, as cell leaders, even just as Christians sharing with other brothers and sisters, that we always do it motivated by true love, God, to see their lives transformed and changed. And I pray even now before I finish this, Lord Jesus, if we've ever come short, forgive us, God. In the name of Jesus, this I pray. Let's go back. Are you with me? Are you all okay? Are we hanging in there? I told you tonight was serious. Let's go back to Matthew 13, 41. Then the Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all who cause offense, scandalon. Persons whom others are drawn into, drawn into error or sin. And all who do, watch this, 
iniquity and act wickedly. Now, everybody go in your Bibles to Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you who practice iniquity, you who have bad motives, you who put a stumbling block in the front of others who caused them to be deceived, who caused them to turn away from me, who caused them not to follow me in truth anymore. You are the ones that this could come upon. And I pray this, and I don't want this for anybody. Nobody. But our motives must be true and pure. This is not a game. This is real life. And you are really his people. And we have a real responsibility, you and I. The gifts and the calling, guys, it's not enough. Paul said this, he said, he said, he said, I will prophesy and have tongues of angels. He said, but the most important thing is love. Because love is selfless. So even when I'm mad, I'm not going to vent so that I can put you in a stumbling block in front of you. When I share, I'm going to share something that will build you up. Listen, I'm all for a rebuke. Come, brother, if you, if you, if you want to mess up, come, I'll rebuke you. I've got no problem with rebuking you. I've got no problem with correction. As long as it turns the person towards Jesus. There are times when you rebuke someone that they will get offended. That type of offense you will not be held responsible for. But if you put something in front of someone that draws them away from God, potentially you could be in very serious trouble. Somebody better say amen. amen. Or else you'll definitely have to say oh my. Let's go back to Matthew 13, 41. Let's read it one more time. And the Son of Man will send forth His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of offense. People who, whom others are drawn into error or sin and all who do iniquity and act wickedly, watch, and will cast them into the furnace of fire and there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Listen, I don't care what anybody says. I ain't going there. Saved, unsaved, I'm not putting a stumbling block in front of anyone. You can fight and argue and you can do whatever you want, but me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. I think this word is so important right now. I think the body of Christ must pay attention. I think pastors must pay attention. Be careful. Be very careful. I'm not going to criticize you. I don't know what's in your heart. I only need to look at mine. I don't have anything to say about you, but I've got to take a look at what's going on in me. I'm responsible for these and anybody else that hears me as I speak. Lord Jesus, put your words in my mouth. Give me your heart like David had a heart for you, God. Let me see and hear what it is that you desire to say. I desire nothing else but that, Lord.
will the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God, shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let him who has an ear to hear be listening and let him consider and perceive and understand by hearing. You have been given such an amazing gift, guys. Your words have power. Use them to give life. Use them to strengthen, to draw people to Jesus. Use them. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, out of the Amplified, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance. Watch this. And above all that you got. Because the defilement comes from our hearts when we get hurt, when we get offended, or when we have selfish ambition. We all have a little bit of selfish ambition, like it or not. But when it becomes the most important thing, you're, you're going to get into trouble, brother. When it begins to be your motive, and then you begin to twist and distort the word. And it begins to lead people astray. We have got problems. Are you with me? Jesus said in Matthew 12 verse 34, you brood of snakes. This is serious to him. He's calling them snakes. In another translation, he calls them vipers. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Watch here. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And while I was praying about this, the Lord gave me this. This is what it says, what I wrote. What you see, what you're able to see, remember... The visions, the dreams, the ability to hear God comes when your heart is right. When your heart is not right, when your heart is not seeking God, you will begin to see a, a mixture of things. You will not see accurately. You will not hear accurately. The love the Lord your God with all your heart. You must put Him first. You must seek Him first. When you begin to do this, you will hear. You will see and you will understand. And then you will be able to speak. What you see will reveal what is in your heart. And what you see is what you will speak. I'm going to read it again. What you see will reveal what is in your heart. What you see is what comes from your heart. That's where the Holy Spirit speaks, guys. He speaks to your heart. That's where whatever voice you're listening to speaks, it speaks to your heart. That's whatever you're hearing speaks, it speaks in your heart. And what you see in your heart is what you will begin to speak. What are you saying and whose voice are you echoing? And I speak this the loudest to myself. This message is for nobody. This message is for everybody. Don't sit there and think, Pastor Alex is attacking me. No, I'm not. Absolutely, God is my witness. No, I'm not. Last week, Saturday, when I saw this, before I came to the service, I asked my wife, I was, I, was, I was in anguish. The 
There are only two sowers, the son of man and the devil. Guys, protect your hearts. Be careful what you allow into it, who you surround yourself with. Bad company corrupts good character. Corrupts. It's so important. Watch this. At the end of it all, can you see it? Can you see him as he speaks? Can you recognize the enemy when he speaks? And the Bible says this. In Matthew 5, verse number 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's bow our heads. This evening in this place, Lord, this is my prayer. That our hearts would be pure before you. That our motives and intentions would be upright before you. When we make mistakes, Lord, let us not defend and attack, but rather let us be like David said, Lord, who said, when I sinned, I sinned against you and you only, God. Father, I pray for the body of Christ here this evening and all over the world. For the enemy is out there like a, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing, desiring to see whom he can devour and destroy and lead for his own selfish intent. But you are good, Lord. And you even said that if we would turn our hearts back towards you, that you would heal us. So I pray this evening in this place for every person under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, help us. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to see, help us to hear, and help our hearts to be right before you. As your word says, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This evening, Lord, I want my heart right. In every way, Lord, I want to have a pure heart so that I can see and hear you when you speak. That's my desire. That's our desire, Lord, to know you more, to hear your voice, to seek after you with everything inside of me. Just move upon this place, Holy Spirit. Watching online, move upon them, God. We honor you. We love you. We surrender to you. Have your way in everyone in this place's life. Have your way, Lord. Right now, there where you are, I'm not going to call people up for prayer or anything like that. This is between you and the Lord. Just speak to Him right now. I don't know the condition of your heart. 
The Bible even tells us it's hard for us to recognize it because it's deceitful above all else. But ask Him tonight to heal your heart if you need it. To give you eyes to see and ears to hear and understanding. Just flood this place, Holy Spirit, right now. If you need to repent to Him, repent to Him. I'm going to open up the altar for just a moment. If you want to come to the front and, and you want to just go on your knees and you want to just cry, just come before the Lord, you can do that right now. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship the Lord. Just It has to be very intimate, please, because this is very serious this evening. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for love. Let's worship the Lord right there where you are. If you want to come to the front, you can do that. You can do it there where you are. We're just going to take a moment to just worship the Lord. A moment of crying out to Him, repentance, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you need to do. But my prayer this evening is make in us a pure heart, a clean heart, God. So that we can see, so that we can hear in Jesus' name. So 
thank you so much this evening for every surrendered heart. Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you, Lord, you give us a a pure heart that seeks after you with everything. Your truth, that it would prevail in our lives, Lord. That's our desire. I pray for everyone here that you would strengthen them. Holy Spirit, that you would breathe on us this evening. Thank you for our salvation. Lord, did you not say to your disciples when they came back and said, even the demons are subject to us in your name? Did you not say to them that rejoice in this? But you said, but rather rejoice in this, that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, in the book of life. Lord, it is the greatest privilege, our salvation. It's the greatest gift, the greatest honor. Tonight in this place, we do not take it for granted. And we are so thankful to you that you are the giver of life. And that we can be assured that our names are in the book of life. But we choose to love you with everything inside of us. Have your way, God, in every person's life tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray this right now. Right now right now. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you if you can go to somebody, men to men, woman to woman, and just give them a hug of encouragement and just strengthen them. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. Have a peaceful and a blessed evening. I know this is totally different to a normal Saturday night, but this is what the Lord wanted me to minister. I love you and we'll see you tomorrow.